People, uh, I feel, associate the number of followers with a big community. But essentially, the community is much smaller in a way. For me, what I consider my community is the, the folks who I was able to actually have a conversation with. You're listening to Through the Looking Jar, a podcast all about making remote work more effective, compassionate, and humane. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. I'm your host, Nicole Gonsalig. For many companies and workers, the transition to remote work in 2020 was an overnight phenomenon. But for the team at Hotjar, this is business as usual. This season, we're bringing you conversations about how to have meetings that don't suck, dealing with rejection, and how to be a better ally, just to name a few. This podcast is brought to you by Hotjar. More than a million businesses use Hotjar to optimize their online shops and digital experiences. Make your website better with Hotjar. Building a community is hard. Whether that's making friends after moving to a new city or trying to grow your industry network. How can you meet people or really get to know them? Especially when just the word networking can make people cringe or shiver with discomfort. Our guest today, Ioana Teleno, is an ace at building an online presence and community. She's a user experience designer and mentor. And over on her page, UX Goodies, she's constantly sharing informative and concrete tips for how to build your UX career network. Iwana joins us from Bucharest, Romania. Iwana, thanks for being here on Through the Looking Jar. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation. And yeah, I hope that people will find some value in it. <laughs> Let's start with a little bit of your story, Iwana. What made you choose UX as a career? I think it, it was all about people because uh, my first job was in a call center and I started working by helping people. So listening to their problems, listening, trying to unpack what goes into their frustration, why are they filing a complaint and what, what they're experiencing essentially. So this is how my career started. And uh, then I feel that even though I, experiment, I experimented with different um, other roles, essentially I was drawn back to working with people. And when I discovered UX design, I felt like this uh, revelation, this instant uh, understanding that this is what I want to do. And so I started working towards it. And eventually I was able to transition into an official UX role in, um, in my company. Yeah. So why are you so active online? I mean, tech can be really competitive, but you're always giving other people tips on how to succeed. Like you give away so much. In a way, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I'm giving something away, but I'm, I'm giving back. So that's how I, I experience it. It's, uh, it's absolutely great to be able to help um, people. And so I feel that in a way, I'm not just designing the user's experience in the product that I work on. I'm also designing experiences for folks that want to break into the UX industry or that want to expand their knowledge or just discover interesting resources. So I feel that I'm. this is a new playground for me to just build experiences. So I never get bored of it. I, I have the freedom to experiment and it has been very, very rewarding so far. This idea that you're raising is so interesting that you're designing experiences. Our digital world is always a designed experience after all. 
Do you think that your approach to creating joyful and helpful experiences is what helps you build such a large online presence? It's really interesting because people, uh, I feel, associate uh, the number of followers with, uh, they, they kind of um, feel that the number of followers means a big community. But essentially, the community is much smaller in a way. Um, for me, what I consider my community is the the folks who I was able to actually have a conversation with. And that's why I always focus on building meaningful connections with the people who follow UX goodies. Whenever someone reaches out to me with, I don't know, whatever comment or exper personal experience, sharing their stories, sharing their struggles, I try to be very present in that conversation. And I'm genuinely interested in, in unpacking what goes on in people's lives. And so... The community is made of the is made up of the relationships that I actually foster and and that that happen in a way. So it's not just the number of following. So that's one thing, and I I don't put a lot of value on that. Sometimes I feel like I don't value that at all, but I I try to focus on the. The quality of the relationships that I'm building, and it, it's impossible to say that I have a, a community of 200,000 uh, people. But it, it's it's a smaller community, but the relationships are uh, sometimes very powerful. And I feel that not only was I able to contribute to people's careers, but the people in my community have also helped me expand my knowledge, expand my perspective, and essentially become a better designer. So it's a two-way street, absolutely. You wanna. How important is community for remote work? I think community is important in general, but if we think about remote work in particular, I think it becomes even more important, if that makes sense. Because what I've learned about remote working is that it can give you a lot of nice things, like more freedom, you don't have to waste time on the commute to work. Uh, you can organize your life, have, have better control over what you're doing within a day. But what it, something that it takes away or it could take away is the human connection, the conversations, the just the human aspect. So I think that you can counter balance, if that makes sense, uh, this, uh, this uh, lack of um, direct contact with people by, by investing more time in, in being a member of communities, of design communities. So I think that design communities really um, address this potential problem of feeling isolated, feeling lonely, feeling uh, not understood, if that makes sense. So so I think it's it's really, they, they become even more important in a remote working uh, space. So earlier you mentioned how important actual authentic relationships are in your online community. Followers don't automatically equal community. So what tips do you have for people who are trying to build authentic relationships online? I have a lot of tips for that because I've been, I, I've seen a lot of do's and don'ts <laughs> and I've personally experienced a lot of um, approaches to building relationships. So I feel that a design process can be applied to everything we do with our lives, from our personal career to our personal life and, and to relationships in general. So what I always try to do is to be very intentional about the relationships I build and revisit them with meaning, with uh, joy. And I think that people who want to build this network, this system of relationships, they should start by exploring their own needs. So introspection should sit at the basis of at the base of every networking effort, 
right? So start from yourself. Why do you want to build relationships in the design industry? What kind of relationships would nourish you? What kind of career goals do you have right now? What kind of people could help you with those career goals? And then once you have that, let's say, foundation, um, you can start reaching out to people who can contribute or help you grow in the areas that feel important to you or interesting or uh, can give you a perspective that you're curious to learn more about and so on. So I feel that you do that by sending, by, by reaching out in a personalized, meaningful way. So instead of saying, hey, this is me, this is what I do, please help me. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it can make all the difference in the world if you just research that person, research their background, and then reach out with a message that kind of connects you on a more emotional level. So an example would be someone reaching out to me and saying, hey, I've learned about your career, your your background. And I also work in a call center right now. So we have this in common. And maybe you could guide me as to how I can uh, move into the next step of my career because you've been through it. So if you try to create that genuine, so don't fake it because it's, it's obviously uh, everyone can sense it. Uh, be genuine about it, be intentional about it and just give them if you want their time, then you should also give the time of understanding who they are and um, if there is any value they can also get from this exchange. And typically, again, it works both ways. So whenever you build a relationship with someone, they'll probably learn something from you as well. Iona, I want to ask you about the pandemic and much more in just a moment. But first, let's take a quick break. This podcast is brought to you by Hotjar. More than a million businesses use Hotjar to optimize their online shops and digital experiences. Make your website better with Hotjar. Welcome back. I'm Nicole Gotzeleg and this is Through the Looking Jar. Iwana, let's talk about a topic many of us are familiar with by this point, the pandemic. Now, a lot of people felt isolated during the worst of the COVID-19 lockdowns, when so much of our work shifted to remote only. What are your tips for people who are battling with the feelings of isolation that can come with remote work? Go outside. <laughs> this is, comes from a very personal place. So uh, my story uh, just so happens that my personal life um, had this very important process overlapping with the pandemic. So I found out I was pregnant a week before the pandemic started to be something. <laughs> so um, not only was I experiencing something very transformational uh, on a personal level, but the world was transforming around me. So I had to process two different, very big things in my life. And it was very isolating. And uh, I think the pandemic was isolating for everyone. Uh, what worked was obviously to just constantly remember uh, and remind myself by virtue of rituals and just ceremonies, if you want, that there's the outside world is still there. We're just pausing it, but it's still there. The people I like and I care about, they're still there. The places I used to go to, they're still there. So what really helped me was to go outside and 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 try to like of course respecting all the <laughs> isolation rules and nobody went inside anymore and everything happened like uh very far away from people most uh, in, at least in the beginning of the pandemic even if you just go in front of the building and see the sun and see the sky that was very powerful and healing for me 
Boundaries are so important. You know, sometimes with remote work, people can have their Slack or email notifications on and beeping all the time. So I'm curious, what are your tips for drawing boundaries with work and communities, especially when you're working remotely? Well, I'm not very good at that. (laughs) I feel that there's there's definitely a big, big overlap between my work and my community work and sometimes even my personal life because it's it's in my phone in a way. It's it's always with me, the work that I'm doing. So I find I have a hard time separating from it. That's why I need to rely on structures and rituals and kind of rules for uh, device usage. And I'm not very good at respecting those rules, but I'm, I'm doing my best to allow myself to disconnect because it's, it's really hard, especially if it's your personal project, especially if you really, you're really excited to do that work and just be present in the community and people ask you things and you want to answer immediately because you don't want to keep them waiting. And so it can just be never ending. It can be continuously, especially since my community is made of people from all over the world. So there is no time zone sleep time. Someone's always writing. And so I'm not really good at setting boundaries. But again, if, if I would have some piece of advice or something that worked for me was to set um, clear rules of device usage and and then also what I tried to do for the past year and it kind of worked pretty well for me was to set time it's pretty basic and I think most people do it I wasn't doing it but uh, it, it kind of changed the way I organize my my activities and my my different buckets of projects if you want um, I'm putting everything in my calendar now so even if I'm just thinking about UX goodies or my community or whatever project I'm working on, I have it in my calendar thinking time. And then I have in my calendar community time, let's say, or work time and, and so on. So I'm trying to separate it by by rule. Yeah. And but it's not working out ideally, of course. It's it's just something that I I aspire <laughs> to be and I'm I'm currently going towards this <laughs> aspiration. Burnout is something that is talked a lot about in our industry. How do you fight against burnout? Again, this is a very personal, um, it hits home, (laughs) the question of burnout. It's something that I feel that I was many times very close to experiencing. I would even argue that I experienced it for, for some parts. And I think this is, I think burnout is something that's caused more by our uh, want wanting to be perfect, wanting to do a good job, just wanting to deliver all the time. And I think this is that pressure that comes from the outside world for many parts, but mostly it's from our inside uh, universe that we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we put a lot of things on our plate. And so I think we end up in burnout. And so what what I think matters and what I think should uh, be like, hygiene, if you want, basic hygiene in in preventing burnout is to take a lot of breaks and have a personal life (laughs) and and just do things that you enjoy that are not related to your work. So I think that we should um, give ourselves the space to be more than our work, to be something else than just 
the people who do that particular job, even if it brings us a lot of joy, that's great. I mean, I'm not discouraging people from working and from feeling grateful for having careers. That's amazing. I celebrate my my career achievements all the time. Some people spend a lot of time working and they're still pretty happy and they're still pretty balanced. It's not just that. It's also the kind of work and the, the environment that you do it in. So the tip that comes out of this idea would be to do work you enjoy as much as possible. Just practice introspection to understand what brings you joy and try to do more of what you feel you're good at and what you feel you enjoy and then less of what frustrates you and what, of course, we can't always do what you, we like. I mean, I'm, I'm talking in a common sense uh, uh, framing here. We can't always think some things will be frustrating. Frustration as work is absolutely natural. I don't believe that we can find jobs that will fulfill us every day all the time that's not realistic but if you're getting more toxic than reward from the workspace from your job then you could probably consider doing something else and and sometimes the quality of relationships the psychological safety are aspects that sort of don't are, are not as they should be. And we should always be mindful of how we're experiencing our relationships and, and the, the, the entire environment at work. Something else that's toxic is imposter syndrome. And, you know, that happens in all sorts of industries. But I know that for many of us working remotely, um, we can have even greater imposter syndrome. Um, for example, being onboarded remotely and not seeing our colleagues. I mean, our producer Cassandra was telling me about a friend of hers who texted, LOL, I don't even know what my job is, after being remotely at a company for a few months. So I'm curious, what do you tell your mentees who may be feeling imposter syndrome in remote work? I think imposter syndrome is also a natural aspect of our careers in general, because, I mean, I'm not encouraging it, and I don't think it's a positive phenomenon, but I think it's sort of natural, because um, everybody has doubts about their um, abilities, their skills, their knowledge. That That's a natural human feeling. So I'm saying this because I don't want people who experience imposter syndrome to feel that there's something wrong with me. Why am I feeling like a fraud? Maybe I am a fraud. Maybe that's why I'm feeling like a fraud. I'm just trying to normalize this feeling, which is very common. And especially for people who are very talented and who are very self-aware and who are conscious of what they do and, and really uh, they perceive uh, things around them. So perceiving uh, types of personalities, they, they tend to experience imposter syndrome at a higher level. So in a way, it's like... Uh, um, a curse, <laughs> the curse of knowledge, right? The curse of, of uh, doing a great job. So we should work, I wouldn't say against it, I would say with it to, to become better collaborators and, 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 and essentially have a better relationship with ourselves. So what I would do, I would focus on sort of bringing the qualities or the, the positive aspects of face-to-face -face interactions into a remote setup. Uh, so I would have a lot of one-on-ones. I would meet with people in, okay, through video, but just like meet maybe more often. Sometimes you don't want to waste time in meetings, but, but sometimes just having a conversation about how your day went, sharing a personal story, just, just talking about non-work things can be something that can, can uh, counter 
counterbalance the lack of uh, physical uh, interaction. And then also, I would say uh, to fight imposter syndrome, write down what makes you feel it. Just just answer questions by yourself and, and, and try to figure out what makes you experience imposter syndrome? Because sometimes the reason might be very specific. So you might be in a very technical team where you don't really understand the industry. Maybe you don't really understand the product and that's causing you imposter syndrome. Maybe you're on a team where you've been rapidly promoted. Maybe now you're a manager and that's very exciting, but you feel like you don't yet have the skills to be a good manager. So exactly. every... Every story is different. So I would sit down with myself on a, not, if not daily, at least weekly basis and try to unpack my feelings. Why am I experiencing this? Why am I feeling this? Is it because I don't feel that I'm worthy to be a manager so fast? Is it because I don't really understand this industry? And, and with, for different causes, different uh, treatments. So, so I would say be friends, be friends with the <laughs> imposter syndrome and try to embrace it and try to accept it as a normal part of successful careers and just try to listen to it. Was it, what it, what is it saying? What do I need to do? Oh, that's great. So building a network or community can feel so daunting for, for many people. So let's close out this episode with, if you have one, um, I'm sure you do, what's a community building success story from either you or perhaps one of your mentees um, or one of your colleagues that you'd like to share with us today? So um, in my personal experience, a, a good example of community uh, was um, to organize meetups. So at some point, I started moving from um, having just lives on Instagram where I would talk and people would ask questions and I would answer those questions. So in a way, it was still, even if I received questions, it was like a one-way street. Um, so I moved from that to organizing meetups on Meetup when the pandemic started, a, a couple of months into it. And I feel that uh, the, the kind of events where you bring people uh, around a particular topic. So it's pretty basic. A lot of people do organize design events. But in my own experience, I've moved from a, a, let's say, unidirectional kind of approach to my community to just bringing everyone in the same room, if you want to think about it like that. And that made all the difference because at the end of these events, I would invite everyone to connect on LinkedIn. And I would add all these people, all these new connections, which I already had something in common with. We just participated in the same event. We were, we, we were, we gathered around the same topic, the same conversation. So we had something to start talking about very quickly. And so a lot of meaningful relationships were built from those events. And I feel, again, it really ties really nicely into, into the idea of remote working and how to replace that physical interaction uh, quality and you can have it you can have it in a virtual in a remote setup you can organize just a zoom meeting where everybody's in the same room and everybody has their camera open and you see that person and then you connect on whatever platform you spend time on and for me that worked really nicely i have a lot of new friends iwana teleno is the brains behind ux goodies and she joined us today from bucharest romania iwana thanks for being here on through the looking jar thank you so much for the invitation You've been listening to Through the Looking Jar. If you like what you hear, please give us five stars on your podcast platform of choice and share this episode on LinkedIn. If you want to be the first to know about our future episodes, please follow or subscribe. 
Through the Looking Jar is brought to you by Hotjar. I'm your host, Nicole Gotzelik. Cassandra Sunt is our executive producer. Audrea Cruz is our managing editor. Tom Giddens and Rich Roberts are our copywriters. Allison Wallace is our brand designer. And Che Lee is our behind-the-scenes videographer and motion designer. Special thanks to Christian Schorm and Emma Dupree. We record all our episodes at Recorder Studios in Berlin. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>